Dr. Homebrew is brought to you by Five Star Chemicals, providing safety and cleaning supplies for brewing, distilling, and winemaking at fivestarchemicals.com. Dr. Love. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. It is Dr. Homebrew. You are not dreaming. You are not under the influence of drugs. Well, you might be. But uh, regardless, this is Dr. Homebrew uh, with your host, JP. And with me, as always, are Brian and Lee, my two my two favorite master BGCP judges. Guys, how you doing? Hi. Doing good? Good. Good to, good to have you guys back in. We only see each other like once a month, which I guess is, you know, a lot more than never. You look like you've aged more than a month. I feel like I've aged more than a month. I'm uh, got a lot of stuff going, <laughs> a lot of stuff happening uh, in old JP's boring life. But uh, you know, you fight through these things with a heavy dose of beer and maybe whiskey every now and then. Got to do it. Uh, thanks for guys for uh, for joining us. If you haven't heard about Doctor Homebrew and this is your first time, uh, welcome out of your rock because this is the hottest thing that's going since since you know cable internet dudes uh we are a um a homebrew centric show which is uh, unheard of probably for everybody but uh what we do is we invite people on our show uh we invite them to send us their homebrew and then we judge it on the air and by we i mean the judge is brian and lee i i just sit up here and pretend to do work and uh and then we interview the guy on the on the um on the show so we interview the brewer Get their feedback, get their background, and uh, and the guys kind of go to town and judge the beer, and then uh, the home brewer, be it you or your your best friend or whatever, um, you get to ask questions. So uh, it's kind of an interactive BJCP score sheet, uh, and I think you're really going to like it. Uh, but before we get into all that, I would like to give a big thank you and shout out to our sponsor, Five Star. You can get all your cleaning needs met from 5starchemicals.com. Ask for them at your local homebrew supply store. Everybody knows 5 Star. They make PBW. They make Sandy Clean. They make Star Sand. They do all that kind of stuff. So uh, whether you're making beer, making wine, making cider, making mead, um, or, or do whatever. I love using PBW to clean my bathroom. That stuff is great. I use it, uh, you know, <laughs> ever since I started uh, homebrewing, I've just been, you know, uh, not going to the store for cleaning chemicals, and I start grabbing PBW here and there. Uh, that stuff's rad. I yeah. love PBW. And, and we we have noticed that your hygiene's been improving lately, so it, right. it must be working for you. <laughs> oh man, I did floss today twice <clears throat> because I'm going to the dentist soon with PBW. With PBW, <laughs> <laughs> no, not recommended. <laughs> it's that grit. It's just uh, right. it gets right in there. Uh, but anyway, fivestarchemicals.com. Go check them out. Uh, go to your local homebrew shop. More importantly, and uh, and ask for it. Um, so the beers we have on today, we have a West Coast style red IPA uh, that, that seems to be kind of a, an emerging style, a la uh, Evil Twin from uh, Heretic Brewing Company. Um, our our first brewer actually tried to clone that beer, and uh, he wants to know how close he did. That's just kind of a side note to uh, you know to his beer. So we'll we'll talk to Jake about that, uh, and then after that we have a dry stout from a listener called Richard. And uh, those should be good. I'm kind of looking forward to these things. Stouts are my favorite, one of my favorite styles. And uh, you guys have already judged these beers, right? Yes, we have. Mm. Uh, all done, all over. We know. 
We, we know the, the envelope, please. We know, <laughs> we know which one's going to win <laughs> in this two beer competition. Uh, in case you haven't heard, also some more breaking news on the Brewing Network. We are no longer on Justin.tv. We actually have a proper streaming um, website, if you will, called Livestream. Go to new.livestream.com slash the Brewing Network slash doctor hyphen homebrew. And you can see us. You can see us right here, right on the little screen right there. We'll wave to you right there. Uh, and it's supposed to be a better picture, better overall audio quality, and none of those annoying pop-up ads you used to get on GTV. So uh, go over there and check them out. Like us, friend us, do whatever you have to do. Uh, more importantly, just come watch. Come watch the back of my head and instead of the back of Justin's head. Find out what it's like to look at someone without any hair versus a weird, greasy ponytail. All right, you can see what we wrote on it. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I thought you were trying to get something off my head. I trusted you guys, and you broke our trust. I'm not <laughs> my head touching and that. Okay. Of the back of Justin's head. Find out what it's like to look at. Oh, I know what's going on. Huh? Okay, there we go. We could put a different sticker on the back of your head every time <laughs> yeah. on your hat. I, I would. I would sell the back of my head for sponsorship. Cool. I would definitely do that. Skullboard, huh? And that's right. I think it'd be great. Uh, all right, let's take a break, and then we'll come back. We're going to hear from Jake and his West Coast-style red IPA. Back after this. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today where do you go for all the stuff you need to brew homebrewstuff.com of course in their boise idaho storefront and warehouse they have more than 750 craft beers and 8,000 square feet of homebrew products in stock the staff at homebrew stuff are homebrewers themselves they try out just about everything including the beer so they can answer your questions knowledgeably and correctly about brewing kegging and anything else you might need to ask don't live near the homebrew stuff store visit homebrewstuff.com online and take advantage of their $7.95 domestic shipping available on most orders. Homebrewstuff.com is a proud sponsor of the AHA, NHC, GABF, and countless other acronyms. So if you're a homebrewer looking for great people, a great selection, and great deals, head to homebrewstuff.com online or in person. Visit their YouTube channel for loads of free how-to and product videos. All of the stuff you need to brew. Homebrewstuff.com That's right, it is Dr. Homebrew. You heard right. Once again, you're not on drugs. 
And you might need to go in for a CAT scan because of that head injury you got as a kid. But for the most part, you've heard him properly. It is Dr. Homebrew. And then on the line, we should have uh, Jake Jeffers. Jake, are you there? Yeah. How you doing, hey, buddy? Guys. Hey, Jake. Howdy. Look, JP, this is what the back of your head looks like. Oh, good. That's good to know. <laughs> Some weird, creepy, flesh-colored egg. Uh, so, Jake, you sent us in a, uh, a clone of the ever-popular um, evil twin from uh, Heretic Brewing Company, right? Yeah, well, it was a, a try. It was a try. <laughs> what do you mean? Was it, have, you, have you ever had the beer before? No. Oh. So, uh, this was just a try off of... Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about it. How, how did you go about crafting a recipe? Well, I actually uh, had been wanting to try this style for a while, and um, you guys did the the recipe on the first Brewcaster Challenge. So, oh, uh, yeah, I guess I we used, did. I used pretty close to that recipe. Okay. All right. Um, how long have you been homebrewing? Uh, all grains since January. Oh, nice. So, is this uh, this is uh, still relatively new to you, or or have you just been kind of hitting it hard? Yeah, hitting it hard lately. Yeah, how many batches have you done all grain since uh, since you started? Oh, uh, probably only about six or seven. Hmm. Okay, that's pretty good though. That's pretty good. Six or seven in yeah, so about one a month or so. Yeah how you how you been enjoying it? You've been uh, you've been digging on it. Oh yeah, I love it. I've been extract yes. brewer for for several years, so um, really uh, glad to 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 get uh, get into it. So. Did you did you buy one of those fancy setups, or did you kind of go homebrewer style and cobble it all together? Uh, a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've eventually moved to uh, uh, Blickman system uh, pretty quickly when I couldn't quite get what I wanted out of the cobbled together stuff. Oh, nice, nice. All right, guys, uh, what do you think about uh, Jake's beer here? Let's let's jump right into it. <clears throat> well, pretty nice beer. All right, Brian. What yeah. Brian, yeah, that's, that's yep. all that. There's slight good. disclaimer: we didn't know it was uh, intended to be an evil twin clone till it was all over. Not that that would have mattered, but um, we were basically just judging it by what we were given, which was a red IPA. So pretty much as an IPA, and throwing a little allowance for having some extra caramel malt throwing is what we figured. Um, and I think we both liked it fairly well. Um, sort of a classic sea hop kind of nose, some pine, a little bit of gingery note to it. Uh, a lot of caramel malt in the nose. Um, the ferment seemed pretty clean. Um, poured a really nice big head that just stayed around. I mean, it's still there now after we poured it. Poured our little bit up here. Let's pour a little more. A little more for the camera here. If it'll show it. Yeah? Maybe. Uh, let me see. You'll see it past JP's head? No, we're going for the front <laughs> one. Here. Let me switch cameras there. There, there we go. go. There yeah. We go. Th- yeah, that's a pretty good uh, a nice logo on camera, it. too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a nice head. Um, you know, for regular IPA, way too much caramel in the nose and the flavor. But, you know, since it's this, um, we basically factored that in as being okay. Still, still without all that, I would say if you're going to flag this as an IPA, if you're going to add that much extra caramel malts, the crystal malts to it, mm-hmm. you probably should consider bringing the bittering up a bit. Because in the balance, it comes across more like a somewhat alcoholic amber ale, red ale sort of thing. It doesn't quite have that IPA level of bittering that I would expect. Uh, I'm not saying it's a bad beer, actually. It's quite nice. But 
if you're going to classify it as an IPA with a new color on it, you might want to try and bring that bittering up a little bit because adding all that extra crystal malt is just going to fight back on that balance. Um, aside from that, you know, it definitely had some alcohol. We were both picking that up. It's a very warming beer. It's just clean alcohol, but it's uh, definitely, we're figuring this is probably 8% or so. I know what's on the recipe here. Uh, uh, Jake, what is that? Do you, do you remember off the top of your head? Yeah, that's about 7.3% percent alcohol. All okay. right. All yeah. right. Tastes stronger in my throat, like but maybe that's half, just me. 8%. It's all the salsa I had for lunch. <laughs> um, medium to high body is getting, again, a little big for the IPA in terms of richness, but again, with all the extra crystal moss, I guess we kind of expect that. Um, in the end, I think it's more of a big amber ale than a really an IPA, but, you know, it's it, since it, it is what you call it, it is what it is, I guess. It doesn't mean much. Um, maybe just consider increasing the bitter a bit. Um, I also okay. thought it maybe tasted like it might have been a little bit old. Not bad, but I was getting some kind of faded flavors from the hops. I don't, I don't know when it was you brewed this, um, but I may just be misperceiving things. Too. Or, I don't know. or how old the hops were when you used Exactly, them. yeah. What, what year they were harvested. Yeah. Anyways, in the end, uh, I gave it a 34 point in the BJCP scale. If you entered it as straight as an IPA with no other sort of information, I'd probably have docked it several more points just because it's so rich and a little bit sweeter and doesn't have the bittering balance. But, mm-hmm. you know, seeing as it is a red one, is obviously featuring crystal malts more. I just sort of let you know, factored that into the score. All, All right. right. Very good. Dr. Brian? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm afraid you've missed <laughs> your you, tea doctor. time. So. <laughs> like, likely I got a big citrus and, and uh, you know, some piney notes, some nice pineapple in there, some some really cool hop notes. And, you know, coming across um, fairly, yeah, middle, fairly fresh, but, uh, you know, because they're, they're big in the aroma, but um, a little bit of perfuminess and, and you know, some hints that they're, they're maybe starting to age, but not really... Uh, yeah, not off or anything. But it's a brand. It's a pretty fresh beer brewed in May. May twenty fifth by the sheet here. Yep. But uh, yeah, uh, you know the fruity esters are medium high in check for the style. The malt showed some richness right up front in the in the aroma there. It was uh, almost to balance with the the hop aromas in the uh, aroma section. Uh, when I get to flavor, it it's pretty much almost even there. It's it's really. Nice, uh, nice balance between the malt and the hops. Uh, of course, for an American IPA, uh, if you're judging it as a straight American IPA, you want the the hops to be more, a little more forward than that. But um, it's you know it works. I like the the presentation of that. Had kind of a, a fresh baked biscuit kind of note in that uh, uh, hmm. in the malt profile, and and uh, you know I, I thought I got a hint of a little butterscotchy note, but nothing unpleasant. It was just uh, a pretty pretty good aroma and bright and clear, deep kind of coppery amber color with a big fluffy uh plentiful head uh you know very good retention uh you know a nice light tan kind of beige head that stuck around for a long time and it's it's still floating around here it's still going um yeah so in the in the flavor the what i got in the flavor that was kind of interesting and and i did judge it as a it was brought to us as a red ipa or that's what it said on the label um it, it is a pretty richly malty beer. Uh, the base malt's low, and, and there's some uh, the caramel and interesting darker malt notes kind of popping out. There's a there was a chocolatiness and almost a faint roastiness in there that that uh, you know pushed it up uh, to the point where it was fighting with the hops a little bit. But um, you know, clean ale fermentation there. Um, you know, again, some of the citrus and pine notes in the hops, really pleasant stuff. 
Um, finished pretty dry, kind of like an IPA should. But yet, when I got on the mouthfeel, the body felt kind of medium to almost a bit fuller because it's so big. Hmm. And, uh, you know, the carbonation is medium to high. There's a lot going on in the mouthfeel where you're, you you put this beer in your mouth and it's a it's a big warming and you know touch touch of alcohol warmth in there because it's pretty hefty and and uh yeah you have to kind of uh take your time with this one i think it feels substantial so yeah Yeah. and as it as it as some of the co2 gets driven off you know you get a little more of the sweetness in there and it's uh, that side of it shines through a little bit with the the multi uh multi stuff in there all the happy malt so yeah it's a damn tasty ipa uh leaning towards the redder side of the spectrum for a style i don't i don't know is it would this be yeah this would be acceptable for style if if celebration ale can be a classic uh, example of a ipa then uh this beer works <laughs> but it's definitely that's not, a good point it's definitely not an american amber it would be too hoppy for that style so you wouldn't yeah. want to enter it there um you know you'd if I was going to go for an American IPA, I would suggest backing off the darkest, darkest malts in this. I see you have a couple ounces of pale chocolate malt in there, 300 SRM, you know, and that's it gives it a nice note. It, it does it does work with that, but um, you know, for the for the evil twin clone, I'd say leave that in exactly mm-hmm. where it's at. For the American IPA, I'd say back it off a bit and bring up if you want to get a red IPA that that has classic IPA f- flavors. You know, bring up some of the other uh, colored malts in there. You know, the uh, there's some Munich in there. You could bring up a bit and uh, some dark, darker crystal or you know something else. But you know, experiment around with it if you want. This is a good place to start. You can do some fun things with it. Um, you know, you could you could lower the OG and perhaps uh, you know use a slightly more attenuative yeast to lighten up the body a bit and have it have that kind of IPA like thing. But I you know I've had Evil Twin many times and I think it's pretty. It's pretty close. It's in the territory. I think it's pretty close. Um, I, I think it could be a little darker. I think Evil Twin is kind of is kind of more ruby. Yeah. And then this it seems a little more on the orange side. Yeah, that's kind of what I remember. It's a little bit darker than this. So there maybe you might need a hair more of that chocolate malt. Right. Mm-hmm. Or some more crystals or, or something in there to bring the color up. Yeah, it is. And, and Evil Twin is a fairly roasty. I mean, there, there's, there are roast notes in there. Yeah. Well, that is uh, a sort sure. of traditional IPA approach just to throw in a few ounces of roast ball just to bring the color in you know very old school approach yeah jake what do you think about that uh i mean you guys are spot on on just about everything um you know one of the things that you said was the age of it this really was was pretty different beer about three weeks ago Mm -hmm. um the malt has just totally uh you know come into play in this beer a lot um and and it the hops were were a lot a lot more pronounced about three weeks ago Hmm. um and uh so that's that's interesting to hear you guys say and of course the size that was uh that was actually a, a mistake on the og um overshot that by quite a bit um and then the color uh i i've actually uh adjusted the recipe that justin gave uh on the air I think he. I think uh, it was like one and a half uh, ounces of roasted barley, and then uh, two ounces of carafa three. So I dropped that down, and I kind of knew that that was going to give me something a little bit lighter. But um, mm-hmm. uh, everything else was was um, you know everything was spot on. Thanks, guys. Cool. Yeah. No, that was a good beer. We I mean, filled out real score sheets for you too. Yeah. Really. Brother. 
Don't, don't let JP not mail them back to you or scan them or send them. I've been scanning them. I've, I've scanned us. Yeah. I scanned all those, and that's that's my new that's my new routine, boys. Scanner. Yes. Yeah. Scan. No, I, I actually make your head explode. In some ways, I like that beer better, and I scored it. It's just so hard to peg to any real style. It's sort of in the middle there everywhere, but it's, it's really drinkable beer. It's very nice, very clean. Good job. Yeah, it could be when the you know when the style guidelines come out uh, when they're revised someday down the road they'll have a a, a place to put uh, a hoppier amber ale and an imperial hoppy amber ale kind of thing you know so along the lines of arrogant bastard and all those kind of beers it's, there's not really a place to put some of those beers right now. Yeah, you think that's the way it's going? I think so for sure. Yeah, it's possible. Or you could play the category twenty three game and try and give it some name that will direct the judges to think exactly as you were. And good luck with that. <laughs> Yeah, we think as judges, and we judge as judges. But I like you know leaving room for creativity, and that's I mean, you know, category twenty three, you can get a lot of different things in there and be swamped with other crazy things that might jump out at a judge a little more too. So with a beer like this, it's just you know it's a red IPA. It's it's maybe not going to stand out there either. So you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. But hey, just drink it. It's a nice beer. <laughs> uh, I, I gave it a thirty seven. Oh, nice. Jake, do you have any uh, specific questions for the boys? Uh, yeah, actually, um, you know, one of the challenges with this beer, and this was one of my first uh, attempts at something this hoppy, um, and, and I, I ferment in carboys, and, of course, I just threw the hops in the carboy, um, and this was a, a double dry hop. So, you know, I did uh, like an ounce and a half at uh, seven days, an ounce and a half at, uh, you know, four days later. And so... I ended up with just a, a ton of loose pellet hops in in the carboy, and racking was a challenge. And then even after I got in the keg, I actually plugged the dip tube, and um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I mean, on the fourth bottle when I was sent when I was bottling, uh, sending these to you guys, the fourth one just stopped. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so I had to pull the dip tube and and clean everything out and put it back in. Um, so what? solutions would you guys recommend um to kind of address that issue um you know i'm i'd, I'd like to not have to use hop you know like a sack for for hops i, I kind of feel like i'd i'd like to get more contact time so maybe a racking solution what, what do you guys think yeah de- dealing with that many hops can be a challenge and i think for everybody that's worked with a beer like that with with all those hops going on you you know, you, you might have to do some adjustment to your system and, and figure something out to deal with that mass. And yeah, I don't like using bags either. I feel it just limits the contact with the wort. Um, I mean, at the end, of, if you want to, um, you know, use a whirlpool system at the end of the uh, boil and uh, get some of that hop matter to kind of form a cone in the middle of the kettle, um, you can you can do you know get a pump set up and run it through. Uh, a tangential flow uh, work chiller kind of set up. You can also get you know, use a hop uh, hop back hop screens. There's all kinds of devices out there. You know, uh, Blickman and other people make these uh, different contraptions that you know you either you know I don't know. If, are you familiar with some of those, Lee? That uh, what do you what do you use when you're making a hoppy beer? Not really. I mean, for the kettle, yeah, I try and whirlpool, and I have a screen inside my out valve for for dry hops and a fermenter. But yeah, um, you know, you can put them in a bag. You can put a bag over the end of the racking cane. None of those are terribly satisfactory, and I always worry about contaminating. For something like that, honestly, I think the thing I do more often than most is I would a couple days before racking it out, I might swirl it up a bit and prop it up 
so like one side's a few inches higher than the other, and hopefully huh. it all settles more to one side, and then when I'm racking, I can take from the other side. You can yeah. try and limit it a bit that way, but it, it's it's just a pain. I, I mean, sometimes I put these things through a filter into a second keg if it's really bad. Yeah. yeah, people have done that. I know people cut their dip tube if they if you know they'll have a dip tube and a keg specially for dry hop beers. Yeah, or you don't cut it in the bottom. You yeah. Know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's avoidance. Yeah. Sorry, we were talking about dry hops. I'm in, I'm in space here a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's just chunky avoidance. That's all you got to do. Yeah, I do the carboy leaning thing uh, too, but I I just do it when I when I get my carboy out to you know I just roll up some towels or something and lean it as far as I can and use my, you know, get my auto siphon on the side that doesn't have, there's clips and rubber bands and all kinds of things holding that, <laughs> that, uh, auto siphon. So it doesn't go to the other dark side where all the hops live, you know, chunky avoidance, <laughs> just like in your twenties. Yeah. And it's easy to clog up a keg with those too. Yeah. If you get just a few hot particles coming through, I've cut off a bunch of my dip tubes cause I do make a bunch of hoppy beers. What do you think Jake answer your question? Yeah, uh, good tips. Cool. I've been wanting to try a shorter dip tube. Um, what what would you recommend to start with? Like, how much you would you cut off of a uh, dip tube? Maybe start cutting off a, qu- a quarter inch or something like that. Don't go too crazy, or you'll lose a you know a pint or two beer in the bottom every time you fill your cake. <laughs> there is Give that me- uh, that that line you have to find, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, just yeah, trial and error, just like brewing, man. <laughs> Cool. And uh, by the way, uh, the Blickman hot blocker does work very well. Oh, can I borrow yours? <laughs> I actually, I need another one. <laughs> yeah. I finally got a false bottom for my Mega Pot, so I'm going to like make some hoppy beers and see if they stay on top of that. I also put in like a bazooka thing in the bottom of it, so I think it's going to be a lot better. My, my Pliny clone, which I just kicked last night, uh, having some beers with a uh, uh, good buddy. <laughs> well, yeah. There's probably... Also, in the the dip tubes probably cut off on that one too. I could I could get some more beer out of there, but yeah, that one was a, a fun beer to deal with all the hops in that. <laughs> all right, Jake. Hey, thanks a lot, man, for sending us in beers. Uh, really appreciate it. Well, thanks guys for having me, and it was all good feedback. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, let us know if you if you do this again, and uh, if our comments helped, especially my comments. My comments were probably gold. So, of course, yeah. Well, the color. Uh, I'm a genius. I'm just a genius. <laughs> anyway, thanks, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right, buddy. Yeah, I did like that beer. It's good beer. Yeah, no, it's very drinkable. Uh, I tell you what, let's take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to get Richard on, and he has a dry stout for us, and uh, this I'm I'm looking forward to. So uh, we'll be back after the end of the break, guys. Uh, stay tuned. It's Doctor Homebrew. This mosaic pale ale from Rebel Brewer is delicious. Yes, I enjoy it too. Wait, did you hear that? It sounds like a velociraptor. Why would a velociraptor be here? That doesn't make any sense. He's going for my beer. I'll stop him. It looks like our frightening friend just has a thing for Rebel Brewer hoppy beers. Rebelbrewer.com has the largest selection of grains on the planet. And if you order before noon, most orders will ship the same day. Two-thirds of the country gets their orders in two days or less. Rebel Brewer, the velociraptor of homebrew shops. Why wait? Quick, flexible, speedy, fast, not slow, and fast and speedy. Visit rebelbrewer.com today. I'll rip your face off. Oh, and he'll totally do it, too. Visit today at rebelbrewer.com. Hey, 
Hey, dude, you know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no, all the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's the pale ale, you're good, but stay away from the quote-unquote Belgian. Oh, man, this guy needs to get some grog tags. Grog tags are reusable, write-on, wipe-off, commercial-grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are homebrewers. They wanted great-looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water-resistant, and ice chest approved. Grog Tags stay on in water or an ice chest, and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Ah, oh, it's that pseudo-Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some Grog Tags, dude. Grog Tag. At least your beer will look good. Grogtag.com. Are you a member of the American Homebrewers Association? Well, you should be. Members of the AHA can focus on brewing beer, and the AHA takes care of the rest. The American Homebrewers Association advocates on behalf of homebrewers like you to legalize the hobby in all 50 states and make sure that beer laws make sense. Plus, there are many great benefits that come with your AHA membership, like AHA member deals that give you awesome deals at bars, restaurants, breweries, and more. Zymergy Magazine and E. Zymergy for tons of articles, how-tos, easy-to-follow recipes, and news about the hobby you love, and access to the members-only content on homebrewersassociation.org. But the AHA can't do it without your support. Join today so the American Homebrewers Association can keep fighting for your homebrewing rights. Visit homebrewersassociation.org or join now from the homepage of the Brewing Network website. Relax. Don't worry. It's the American Homebrewers Association. The examination. I think from now on, all our rejoinders are it's just gonna be me a cappella. You're gonna be like like the karaoke at the pizza place up the street, huh? Yeah, what is that about? Karaoke at the pizza place? It going for a slice and and a stand and a stanza, and you're good. I'll tell you, two stanzas is enough to make me not want the slice anymore. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Half a slice and no stanzas. They're good, huh? No. <laughs> no, no, no. That first person was there when I was in there was good. Second one, I was glad I was paying. How many people? <laughs> it's not free. Going for free. karaoke, you get free pizza, but you have to listen to this karaoke. Right. right. So uh, you insult your neighbors here. <laughs> ah, they don't listen. It's fine. Richard, we got you. I am here. Can you hear me? All right. We got you loud and clear, man. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Hey, Perfect. Doing Perfect. very well. Thanks. Are you taking a bath right now? No. I'm. Uh, if there's an echo, I'm sitting in the living room. Splashing some work? <laughs> yeah, seriously. It, it sounds like sounds, dripping water. It's <laughs> like you're in the bathroom splashing around, just relaxing uh, after a long day. That's the aquarium. Oh. Ah. Ah. Rubber ducky float. Yeah. <laughs> when I Skype my mom, there's always a weird screeching sound in the background. That's like the mic or something. I don't know what it is. Or she has a ghost. I don't know. <laughs> she might have she might have a ghost. A ghost on Skype. Alright, Richard. Well, thanks for sending your beer in, man. That's uh as my voice cracks. That was uh you know, very nice of you. Appreciate that. Hey, no problem. Uh what style was it? Refresh our memories, please. It's a dry stout. A dry stout, okay. And is this your first time making a dry stout? Uh no, this is the uh 
uh, second time I made this particular recipe and I've been just trying to tweak it and perfect it and get it to where I want, which okay. is why I uh, sent it into you guys. Awesome. Well, hope we can uh, hope we can help you figure that out. How long have you been homebrewing? I've been homebrewing about 13 years now. Oh, wow. You're almost an old old timer, man. Yeah, I guess. You remember when people used to recommend dry yeast? You can tell all the young people that. <laughs> I actually like to use dry yeast a lot. Oh, well, see, there you go. I'm a big fan. <laughs> uh, all right, let's jump into uh, into Rich's beer. Brian, why don't you kick us off? <clears throat> yeah, this uh, uh, it's the aroma was pretty fairly light overall. It had a kind of a light roastiness and some 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 minor cocoa like notes in there. Uh, kind of a Cold coffee roastiness. Um, you know, the esters were kind of a bit bright and citrusy like. Uh, the hops were pretty low and, and kind of earthy, floral, generic under the under the malt. But yeah, just uh, I thought I thought it came across a bit papery, just slight, maybe a slight touch of oxidation in the aroma. Mm. Um, but I liked the flavor a lot better than the aroma. I'll get to that. But the the beer is beautiful. Uh, it's it's deep black with a low uh, tan-colored head that, that stuck around pretty nicely. Uh, mostly fine bubbles and you know some kind of garnet highlights. If you look at a hint of that at the corners of the glass, but uh, you know, so it, it looks like it has good clarity overall. But it's nearly opaque. It's it's a it's a black beauty. Um, <laughs> you know, it has a and the flavor had a a nice rich kind of uh, you know semi-sweet chocolate notes and. Uh, uh, you know, clean kind of roasted barley notes up front, and the the coffee notes were, like I said, a little fresher tasting in the flavor. Um, I didn't really pick up any oxidation in the flavor, so I'm not sure that might be some hitting me a little weird in the aroma. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, finished dry as it should. That's good. Uh, you know, low bitterness and restrained hop notes. Uh, clean ale fermentation. You know, no no dacil or DMS or anything like that. It was a little bit. Came across a little bit sharp and acidic, we noticed too. But uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, sometimes a uh, dry stout can have a percentage of, of soured beer added to it. Uh, probably wouldn't come across that high, but um, you know, that's exactly to, what I did here. To give it that Guinness hmm. thing. Okay, hey, hey, we picked Sorry up. Sorry to on jump some. in there. I didn't want to interrupt. Oh, thank you. That's that's cool. You know, yeah, that's, no, that's good. That's, medium that's kind of medium light body and and quite creamy. Uh, you know, carbonation was medium. Uh, just a smooth beer, no warmth to speak of. Just what you want in a in a, uh, a dry stout. A little hint of astringency from the the roasted grains. Not bad. Uh, you know that 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 can be in there for that style. Read the guidelines. Uh, everybody, go to bjcp.org and look at look up the styles and read along with us if you want. But uh, that's what what is judged against. Or get the app for your smartphones. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty tasty dry stout. Um, yeah, the the, the hint of Sourness was interesting for it. Um, I wouldn't say it tastes exactly like Guinness or anything. It's maybe a little higher on that note, but it was interesting. And um, but I would, you know, the the roasted notes could have been brought up a little more for the beer, even, and it might have um, helped counterbalance some of those other things that were standing out and you know some uh, of the little otter notes I got in the aroma, maybe especially. But you know, um, and also you can read some of the 
um, comments and you know books and things and speeches that uh, Gordon Strong. We've talked about this on the show before too about using dark malts and and you know why do you have to put them in this in the full mash? No, uh, you could put them in this you know when you're sparging only in the top of the green bed or when you're, or you could even steep them in the boil. You know dark greens don't have to be mashed because they're not converting; <laughs> they're already burnt to hell. Right. Right. So, but yeah, um, and keep your yeast happy. That you know. The, there might have been a little acetaldehyde in there, but uh, yeah, keep you know do a plentiful pitch of yeast and, and maybe age it on the yeast a little longer uh, to to get rid of it cleans up some of the stuff that's kicked out early in fermentation. But yeah, otherwise a pretty good beer. I gave it a thirty four. I, I liked it as a dry stout. You know, pretty in the uh, the very good range within the style parameters. You know, some little minor things you could tweak. Right on, Doctor uh- Lee. <clears throat> Wow, I'm supposed to add something to that? Okay. <laughs> I just read my whole score sheet. Right, really? Here you go. Um, Thank you. Well, I most feel like you just reiterate, reiterate pretty quickly. Um, nice, light, dry body. Uh, very nice creaminess. I really like that. Great color. I mean, the appearance on this was about about perfect. Very dark. If you hold it up to enough light, it's pretty clear. Uh, made a nice head that persisted well, although the glass I have it now, it's that's no longer doing that, but um, there's no longer a clean glass. Um it's a very nice coffee and cocoa kind of flavors in, in it and some aromas, too. The aromas, as Brian said, they weren't as intense. Um, but it was very much leaning sort of towards what I would call the lighter palette of roast, roast flavors and aromas. You know, it's more coffee and cocoa, not so much ash or charcoal or some of the darker um, or more intense roast uh, sort of aromas and flavors I, yep. would, I would see. And I would actually kind of... It, I kind of like that in a dry stout, although it's not what all of them are like. You know, I would say this maybe is more like a Murphy's than a Guinness. Guinness yeah. tends mm. to be a little more ashy, roasty, whereas, as, as I remember, the Murphy, or maybe I'm thinking the Beamish, I see that more often, is, is a little more chocolatey than a, than a Guinness is. A little smoother. Mm. Um, yeah. Definitely picked up on that acidity that was in there. How, how much of that soured, soured malt or mash did you add in here? I'm kind of curious. Well, um, I went for a... I, I, Grab some some beers from the last batch, and I opened them up, and uh, let them sit for around two to three days, and put about two two bottles worth of uh, the uh, soured beer into the boil. Um, so it it did turn out a little more uh, acidic than than what I would have liked, but uh, it accomplished what I was going for there. That's a five gallon or ten gallon? A five gallon batch. So two. That's twenty four ounces. That's about 20, yeah, twenty four ounces. <laughs> I'm smart. And what's two cases roughly in a five gallon batch? That's four or two. That's one. And uh, that's about right. I think the classic Guinness recipe was like three percent, and this is going to yeah. be about one in twenty four. Is about four percent here, I guess. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty exactly, close. Yep. It, it's it's a little maybe a little strong in the sour. I'm curious, did you do yeah. any pH treatments on the beer for the mash or for extracting the grains or for adjustments in the kettle on this? No, I don't. Uh, I don't do any kind of uh, pH adjustments to the mash. Uh, we have moderately hard water here, so I just you know pretty much use the water as it is and you know don't adjust anything. All right. Do you monitor the pH as you sparge this out? Nope. Hmm. You might try. You might want to consider that because because the one thing I'm picking up here. I mean, there's a little. I think maybe a little acetaldehyde. Brian noticed. I'm getting. I didn't note this earlier, but this bottle maybe is coming through now. I may be getting a little bit of kind of a husky flavor in here. A little. Hmm. Not. It's not like puckering, but a little astringency. Yeah, there was a hint of astringency, but not not. And horrible. which is always an issue with a stout. But that's the sort of thing. If you oversparge with all this roast grain, the pH 
starts to get out of whack, you might start pulling out a lot of extra nasties. Um, I'm um, doing a sparge on this. This is one of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about was right. the astringency uh, because it's it's a flavor in the beer that I just don't don't like and and uh, it, it's overpowering for me. And in, in my last batch I did, it was even even more. So mm-hmm. um, so what I did was I cut back on the amount of roasted barley I used and. Um, Basically, I used in the last batch. I used a pound of roasted barley, so I cut it back to a half pound, and then um, added another half pound of uh, of a dehusked dark malt. Um, and it's still a little more than what I'd like. Um, I've never had an astringency problem in any of my other beers, so I'm just kind of wondering, you know, what are some things I can do to to help solve it with this dark beer? Yeah, yeah the, the the dehusk is a good idea. It will definitely help with that. Um, although you also have to keep in mind, is that the flavor profile that you want? Are you getting the right flavor out of that? You know, the Carafa can help with that, and uh, some of the new ones like the Breeze Midnight Wheat and things like that are also appropriate for that. Um, the other thing you can do, is mostly the astringency coming out of a mash, is you're le- leaching tannins out. Uh, sorry, leaching tannins out of the husks, and that tends to happen. You know, catch me. Make sure I get this right. As you sparge, <laughs> start sparging it all out, the pH will start to rise. Right. Now, you almost don't expect that's going to be such a problem with uh, stout because you've got all those acidic malts in there, the dark malts. But if you've got hard water, which tends to be higher in pH, if you keep sparging that out, that might push it up even faster. So you may need to add a little bit of acid to your sparge water, like a cap lactic or something. Excuse me. Yeah. Whoa, bless you. Excuse me. Uh, Chem- it's not the beer, trust me. He's allergic um, to chemistry. Right, I'm allergic yeah. to chemistry. Oh, I proved that many years ago. Um, <laughs> well, I'm backing off the darkest malts may even be counterproductive to that, too, because you're taking away some of the acidic stuff. Yeah, and you're also taking away the stout. So I would I would leave the I would leave the dark greens where they were originally, probably, uh, I'm guessing, but and then... Um, you know, find different ways to extract the flavors. Like I said, either you can you can just steep them in there, and instead of having them sitting in your mash the whole time, leaching out stuff from the husks into the mash and sparging through the whole thing, just you know, steep it in the first part of your mash, and you'll get a lot less of that astringent kind of character. Or you know, you can put it in the top of your mash and sparge over the top of it. You know, and just experiment with it. But yeah, it's um, leaving it in the full mash for the full time if that's what you did, and backing off the roasted malts and having that. Uh, you know, pretty highly carbonate water is gonna gonna be a recipe for for pulling out some astringency, especially if you sparge a little hotter and if you um, uh, you know, let that pH rise up above towards say six. You want to be sparging around you know one sixty eight tops, and uh, that's Fahrenheit for you people in Europe. Um, yeah, and and keep the keep the pH in check. Yeah, pH under five five or five six tops probably. You know. Uh- one of the things that uh, Jamil mentions in his book, and I, I also heard uh, Doc mention in this in one of the uh, archive shows, the session shows, was to basically pulverize the dark malts before you put them in the mash, which is you know just uh, grind the crap out of them. And um, I, to me, that seems counterintuitive in, mm-hmm. in this beer in terms of you know keeping down. The, uh, the stringency, but it was just something that I noticed after I had brewed this that, that was mentioned in those places. Do you have any comments on that? Um, yeah, it would seem counterintuitive. But let me throw you another counter- counterintuitive puzzle. Have you ever done a decoction mash? 
No, I haven't tried oh. it. Yet. So yeah, think about that. I mean, you yeah. take a bag, take a bunch of mashed in grain, you pull it out, and you boil it, and you make a wonderful, smooth, totally husk flavor free German lager out of it. Hmm. How does that work? Basically, because you've got the full mash right there, it, it controls the pH. And if you keep the pH in the right range, you don't get those nasty husk extractions. Oh. So really, I mean, it's, it's the same for a stout. You can grind the bejesus out of those roast grains. <laughs> I do that all the time. I'll do that. I'll do a cold extract, or I'll add it in the mash. I played around with it every single way you can imagine. Well, that I could imagine. <laughs> um, and in, in the end, really, the key to it was getting the pH control right. And there, there is one more aspect to that, and unfortunately, my memory is, is about to fail me on this. So I'm going to go out on a limb Uh-oh. and say the way I think. Catch me if, it, <laughs> if you think I'm wrong on this. But from what I remember, especially for doing like the cold extractions, but for extracting color and maybe the flavor as well of the roast malt, you're almost better going up to the high end of the pH range. So I remember adding a lot of the calcium into my... Um, into my extract. Now, I'm, hmm. I'm somewhat afraid I may have got that dead wrong and in reverse, but I'll have to check <laughs> up on this. Maybe one of the listeners can open up uh, the right book and figure this out. But this was a couple years ago that I did that. But um, that would actually help it help get the color out properly. Because sometimes I do cold extracts, you wouldn't get the color that well. You're not getting but there, all something that. like that helped. Yeah, this one definitely got the color, so this is good on that front. Yeah. So, but in the end, really, it's all down to pH... But uh, what you said about pulverizing the grains is a good idea because they're they're hard hmm. crystalline nuts and they do not want to go into solution easily. So right. yeah, give them more surface area. So just bash them all up. Yeah, mill yeah. them separately. Yeah, I mean, I did yeah. mine in a coffee grinder. Oh wow! Yeah, like a blade a blade grinder just exactly chopped right. them up real yeah. fast. That makes yeah. sense too because you're breaking it all apart and um, you're getting access to all the stuff in the middle of each each kernel. And not just, we you know, if you broke the kernel in two and you have two ends of it floating around in there, then it's mostly contacting the husk and the ends of that. And, you know, yeah, this way you're getting everything. So, Do you find okay. you get, like, more of that flavor? So if you put, you know, um, half a pound, let's say, of, of one of the dark malts and you, you bash them up real good, are you going to get a, a more intense flavor because there is more surface area? So should you back that down if, if that's what you do? I would think you would, but I haven't really experimented with that, so I can't say for sure. But I, yeah. I would, Well, it, it depends what kind of flavor you're after. Mm-hmm. Yes, you will get. You should get more of the roast flavor out of that. I mean, the, the, the flaw I see more often is that people do a stout, they don't have enough okay. of the roast in there. Because okay. if you don't do it right, you won't get a good extraction on those. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and if it's too much, well, you know what to do next time. Back it off by 10% or whatever you think you need. Okay. And you you can also uh, acidify your sparge water and see if that helps a little bit, too. I don't know, with with a pretty, you know, it it should be a pretty acidic mash and everything, too. It should probably just work out as it is. But, uh, you know, without knowing or measuring the pH, you're not going to know. I don't really measure pH, but um, if you should. Are you into stouts? I mean, you're going to make a lot of stouts. Is it a good favorite style of yours? Um, yeah, I definitely, you know, I like making stouts, um, and that's why I've been trying to perfect this recipe. Right, a, a, yeah. A nitro setup, I, I serve this on nitro, so, um, um, you know, it's just a, you know, I love having dark beers around, and yeah. um, so definitely. Right, so yeah. if, if you like stouts, you're going to make more stouts, you're basically fighting the battle of acidic grains and hard water, it would be worth investing in some, um, some way to control your pH, because I think it'll mm. make a big difference here. Yeah, I did definitely want to take that on as kind of my next, you know, process improvement, you know, getting a pH meter and, uh, you know, going that route and testing the pH and then, you know, adjusting with, uh, you know, minerals or whatever I need to do there. Yeah, yeah. I think you would be on the right track with that. 
Yeah, it sounds like you know what you're doing there, buddy. You've been brewing longer than I have, so hey. <laughs> I'm only <laughs> at 10 years. To, Damn. I, I've been listening to the BN a lot, and you know I've learned a lot from you guys. So. Oh, good. Good for you. Good. Well, thanks for listening, man. And uh, yeah, thanks for sending in beers, Rich. I hope uh, I hope we helped out, and uh, you know if you rebrew this, send it in. Yeah, I definitely love to do that. Perfect. All right, man. Yeah, thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're out of here. We're going to take a break real fast, and we're going to come back. We're going to do our, our traditional and super fantabulous uh, wrap-up segment where we just kind of recap all the advice that we've given because, let's face it, it's worth recapping. And, uh, yeah, so we'll be back after this. I-10, huh? Getting tired of that same old handcrafted beverages day after day? Are you looking for something with more diversity than your normal beer? Fellow BN Army member Michael Fairbrother, owner of Moonlight Meadery, is reviving an entire beverage category. Mead! The meads at Moonlight Meadery are all handcrafted from the finest honey on the market and are perfect for any occasion, like weddings, baby showers, or... Excuse me? Mead is not your average girly drink, mister, and Moonlight Meads can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere. Football games with the guys. Yeah. Barbecues with the guys. Yeah. Operating power tools with the guys. Yeah. Um, actually, sir, that's really dangerous. Good point, son. Next time you have something to celebrate or are just looking for a new tasting experience, pick up a bottle of mead from Moonlight Meadery. Now in 21 states, making over 60 varieties of mead from dry, semi-sweet to sweet. Break out of that craft beer low. Grab a bottle of Moonlight Mead. Can't find some? Then ask. No, make that demand some. Yeah! All right, thanks for sticking with us, everybody. This is the final segment of Dr. Homebrew. I know it's real sad, and, and you're, you're probably looking at your radios and going, what is going on? What do you mean, the final segment? But, uh, yeah, alas. Of tonight. It's true. Of tonight, tonight. yes. Yes, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes, thank you for the, uh, thank not, you for the update. We, we, there will not, be more. We're not, we're not quitting yet. Right, this isn't, we're not getting that messianic here. <laughs> Yeah, we're just we're over it. It's just we're done. We don't have aquariums in the background. We got trains. We got model here, trains. Man. Actually, they're real ones. We do have real trains, and you can hear them through the door, which is amazing to me. But uh, you know, whatever. It's living in beautiful Martinez. It's the lifestyle we can afford. What? I don't even know what that means. Um, okay, well let's uh, let's quickly run through these beers that we had. Uh, the first one was from Jake, and that was the uh, Evil Twin Cologne, the Red or West Coast style Red Ale, Red IPA, Red IPA. Or whatever you want to call it. Um, the major flaw, well, not flaw, but the major point of improvement I remember you guys saying is that uh, you can probably bring the bitterness up to kind of combat all those those kind of crystal malts that were hanging out in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a very nice beer, very tasty, very drinkable. But if you're going to call it an IPA, it sort of, to me, came across more like a just sort of slightly bigger alcoholic amber ale. So I would say okay. since you can add all the extra crystal malt in there, bring the IBUs up to balance it out in an IPA style again. Yeah, the hops were just balanced with the malt and the flavor, and it was you know richly malty, and yeah, a little, little more bit, bitterness wouldn't wouldn't hurt in that. You wouldn't want to go crazy with it, with that much going on with this beer. Leaning for a red IPA, you, yeah, you could get away with that though. It's it balanced even a little bit better. Yeah. Or you could go crazy. Put you could a lot, go crazy. Then yeah, it's already. I think this one was already pretty pretty big and imperially. Might regret it. <laughs> <laughs> just push it into space. Uh, okay, and then and then we had Rich, who we just talked to, and he had that wonderful dry stout. And there were a couple things that he that you guys were talking about he could do. 
um, mainly it was that control that pH for those dark malts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He could, yeah, he did some cool recipe stuff too, and it sounds like he's experimenting and brewing things over and over again, which is always a good strategy. You know, do a stout, t- tweak a couple things about it, one thing at a time if you can, and brew it over and over if it's a style you like, and you can arrive at a, a good recipe and a good way to brew it. Uh, so yeah, it's not just your recipe; it's your process too. And, and absolutely, yeah. Looking at the sparge on this one is where we need to need to be in the mash and and uh, making sure pH and everything's right. Is yeah, at least yeah. probably spot on with that. I yeah, think. make sure you get your mash pH right, and then don't let the sparge water rise up. Uh, your pH rise up high, especially for him. He had this, you know, lots of rose grain and a very hard carbonate, hard water he was mm-hmm. dealing with. So high pH probably. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it might raise that pH up into the tannin extraction zone where you don't want to be quicker than you think on a sparge. And as tempting as it may be, don't use your aquarium water for sparging, please. (laughs) (laughs) But they have a pump. He has a pump. Be fine. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, fish pump out a lot of acidity. It might actually help keep the pH down. (laughs) It's called poo, isn't it? (laughs) No, it's the other one. Oh, pee. Uh, Fish urea. Do they pee? I adjust my pH with it. Or is it like uric acid, like uh, chickens and yeah, birds and, and stuff? And they clap in the woods, too, with one fin. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. You don't know everything about the anatomy of a fish. I'm appalled. I'm more of a dog I wouldn't admit to person. it. No. <laughs> I wouldn't admit to it. Well, I wouldn't either, to be honest with you. Fish are weird. Yeah, you probably would, actually. I probably would. You probably would. I'd probably be real proud of that. Yeah. So like, I know go that, ahead. Like, admit I know it. that chickens and birds have a, a vent. A they just have one hole. That's the right word for it. That yeah. everything comes in and out of. Just one. That's it. Do you have reptiles? Are you I don't a, have reptiles, oh, okay. no. You seem like the, the reptile kind of guy. Well, yeah, their feet are real reptile yeah. well, Reptilian yeah. in nature. But uh, no, reptiles, I'm not really. It's not my thing. Salmonella is, I don't know. Uh, well, I th- let's get out of here. What do you guys think? Okay. Yeah, it's time for a beer. It's time for, yes, absolutely. Uh, thank you to Jake and Rich for donating the beer, and of course for Lee and Brian to come on in. Obviously, you couldn't do the show without you guys. Uh, if you're interested in being a guest on Dr. Homebrew, uh, email me, jp at com for more info. We are kind of backed up right now, so it might take me a little bit to get to your email, but I promise you I will respond to you. So shoot me an email. We'll get you booked up on the show. Thanks again for tuning in. This has been Dr. Homebrew. Take care, everybody. Woo!